Welcome to Season 4 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of Rockstar Burst and myself, Michael Woodland, as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, community matters, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? Once again, we're back at it. And thank you for joining us for another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. This week's show is brought to you in part by Outdoor Dynamics. Outdoor Dynamics slogan is, they pull the handle so you don't have to. Now, if you don't know what Outdoor Dynamics is, they are a company that deals with remanufacturing ammunition for competition needs, your training needs, or your plinking needs. So head on over to OutdoorDynamics.net, give them a gander and see what all they have to offer and go ahead and get a couple rounds or everything else they offer from swag to brass, even to the complete ammunition that you need. Now, one thing I do like, I like those librarians and those missiles. So um, I might be putting in the order for some of those as well, but head on over to OutdoorDynamics.net and see what all they have to offer you for your shooting needs. Once again, I want to go ahead and say thank you to everyone who listens to the show. And I do want to apologize for last week's absence, but you probably can hear it in my voice right now, but I got down with these allergies and this pollen, it is killing me. (laughs) So I decided to take a break. I didn't let nobody know, but we are back at it again. So once again, Thank you for listening. Thank you for everyone who sent in the notes and messages that they didn't get a podcast notification uh, last week. You're going to get one this week. So here you have it. (laughs) Also, remember, if you check us out on YouTube, please um, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, the like, and the bell notification for how you want to get notified. And just remember, once we hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, we will be doing a giveaway. Now, I can actually tell you, I spoke with one of the sponsors and they told me they're going to up it from one item to two items, but I'm not going to tell you which sponsor that was as of yet. Also, remember, if you're checking us out on Spotify, you also have the option, whereas you can watch this recording that we do on Spotify as well. So head on over there and give us a gander. Now, y'all already know I give Rockstar a hard time. I couldn't do it this week. I couldn't must up the strength. I was weak. I was tired. I was all congested. I I was out of it. But I did hit her up and I was like, all right, I'm ready to record. She was like, oh, oh, you ready to play fair now? So without further ado bringing forth the co-host of the m-w tactical podcast the one the only the pretty the smart the insatiable one the one who i will continue to nag once i get better rockstar what's going on there with you there miss rockstar well i can tell you were under the weather this past week because you didn't bother me (laughs) (laughs) i was doubted out and like some some of the days I get up just use the restroom. I just sit down and I go right back to sleep. And that's how I knew I was out of it. 
especially when I couldn't breathe and you know how you got the mucus in your head um, with your sinus congestions, like you lay your head down and it runs to one side, you turn to the other side, it flows. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm down and out. I'm down. <laughs> but outside of that, how was your week? It was good. I, uh, I'm grateful. I, <clears throat> I don't have allergies. I'm not allergic to anything like spring doesn't bother me. I, yeah. The only thing I'm allergic to is, uh, um, acetaminophen, which is in Tylenol. So I can't have Tylenol. I will die. Well, I won't die, but I'll be in, I'll break out in hives and it's, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. I was more along the lines with me. Um, I don't remember having allergies when I was a kid, but for whatever reason, when I was hit around a 30 year mark, that's when it hit me. But before it hit me, I remember one of the soldiers always sneezing whenever we would go out to the field. We used to always joke on him. I was the main one joking on him about having sneezonitis and calling them all kind of other names. And um, look at me now. <laughs> So it's probably payback. <laughs> but you know, I, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. <clears throat> but um, but how was your week though? Uh, outside of whatever you done, but how was your week? Uh it was it was good. It was busy. I was up in Green Bay over the weekend and visited uh one of my best friends. She lives up there, she owns um a commercial building kind of downtown and then she has the upstairs which is her apartment which is a really cool space it kind of overlooks some of the downtown area and we went out to dinner um one night and we karaoke and just kind of relaxed and caught up and she's got a pool table at her place so we shot pool and just it was nice it was just a low-key I haven't seen her in a couple months and um it's cold here I mean it was 18 degrees when I woke up this morning so we're still not in patio season at all so it was nice just to kind of hang out and stay warm and go eat some good food so it was uh it was good and the rest of my week was pretty it was busy um with work and then uh I'm trying to think like what else I did I don't know I'm going to the gym I've been trying I'm debating running a 5k I have a bad ankle. I have like a, I actually have two torn muscles in my, <clears throat> in my right foot slash ankle. And, um, but I would like to do a 5k. So I'm working with, you know, a physical therapist and trying to rehab my foot and see if that's a possibility. And yeah, going for, going through all that stuff. Do it. A yeah. 5k is pretty fun. Um, like I remember the last 5k that I actually did. I wasn't doing it to try to win it. I was just doing it just because I was helping out the cause. And whatever that cause was, it was on Fort Jackson when I did it. But like I said, I wasn't trying to win the marathon. Uh, I don't even think they gave out prizes anyway <laughs> because it was to raise money for whatever that cause was at that time. And, um, but I had fun when I did it. You know, but then again, I like talking to people also <laughs> doing the whole networking aspect of it and came out, met some great people, um, exchanged some for, um, phone numbers. And of course, everybody was like, hey, the next one is happening this day. We should, we should all do it again. Like, y'all go ahead. I got stuff I got to do. Right. <laughs> can't do it like that. <laughs> 
Yeah, but um, but do it though. Do it. Yeah, definitely. I used to do triathlons when I was younger. Um, I love swimming. I swam competitively for five years, and I I miss being in the. I don't swim a lot anymore because mainly because I don't like to get my hair wet. I'm like high maintenance like that now. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I uh, actually I really love the water, and I I was a lifeguard for seven years. Um, yeah, so I used to do like various triathlons, and I like biking. I used to bike a lot around town my bike's in the basement right now it probably needs a tune-up but it's definitely something I'm like oh, I should get back into that I really enjoy doing that but I've had this foot injury for a while and I'm really just trying to work through it and strengthen those muscles and not let it hinder me from doing stuff that I want to do oh yeah well you remember a few years ago um uh Puff Daddy Diddy whatever you want to call him um Sean Combs <laughs> he tried to do um a triathlon i don't even think he finished it though but i don't think he prepared for it either no. you know what I'm saying because once you actually start training for it somewhere in that training cycle you had to do the whole thing to see where you are and yeah. then you would train and do it again to see where you're at <laughs> before doing it again yeah. but um I, I don't think he properly prepared for it sure. um, when it happened so but kudos for you. Um, let's get it. We should actually get a shirt made for you. And then um, and on the backside of it, listen to me at. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll probably have that big number on it. That, mm -hmm. like that. <clears throat> So um, let's jump into a quick um, commercial break. And before we do that commercial break, I do want to hit up some of the topics I want to discuss this week with you. First one would be um, holster selection. Like if you was to get a holster for your firearm, what are the criteria that you look at when you would go get a holster for your firearm and why? The next one would possibly be um, your wish list for your AR. And then I want to skirt around training, but from a police and individual standpoint. And then the final one I want to hit up is South Carolina is now offering the firing squad. So this, I think that would be pretty interesting. <laughs> so let's dive into this quick commercial break. And when we come back, let's hit up these topics. So if everybody will, um, if you're sounding like me, go ahead and get your Gatorade and your emergency packets. Mix it up like I showed you in that video I did last week and help yourself get healthier and get better if not if you're driving in your vehicle go ahead and adjust your sunglasses um lay your seat back a little bit hit the cruise control turn up the radio and here are a few words from our sponsors mental health and guns at walk the talk america we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry created by a gun industry veteran Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. Are you in need of a new firearm and are planning to make your purchase online? Well, you're going to need a Federal Firearms Licensee, or FFL, to receive shipment of your purchase, to process your paperwork, and to conduct your background check. 
CAE Transfers is your affordable FFL solution with a cost of only $20 per item or $15 per item with the presentation of your South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and let me know that MW Tactical sent you. Hey everyone, John from Outdoor Dynamics here. We're a remanufacturer of ammunition based in Kannapolis, North Carolina. We make everything from 9mm 115 grain to specialized 40 Smith & Wesson. So if you have anything from an open gun to just a standard Glock 19, feel free to reach out to us at OutdoorDynamics.net or we're on Instagram and Facebook with Outdoor.Dynamics. And we're always here for you. Happy to answer any questions you have. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for joining us or listening to that commercial break and joining us for the talking points that we're going to hit up for this week. Um, and as I stated beforehand, go ahead and hit up those sponsors and let them know that you heard about them through the M-W Tactical Podcast. Now, the first thing I do want to hit up is holster selection. So um, I am one who likes holsters. And I have different holsters for different situations. And it's also based off of how I dress. So my everyday wear is going to be different than me wearing like business attire, um, a suit, tie, jacket, you know, type dress. And then, of course, the winter time, because, you know, your clothes are going to change from summer to winter and spring, of course. But um, what type holster do you carry? And if you was to recommend a holster for somebody, who would you recommend it to and why? Um, well, I have a belly band that I got recently that I like. I used to have just a clip on, there were a lot of leggings. I really don't wear pants. I hate pants. I don't like to wear pants. I like to wear dresses, but um, it's cold here in the winter. So, you know, I have to wear leggings under them. I mean, I guess I don't have to, but I do because it's freezing. Um, and I, <laughs> I worked in the motorcycle industry for a long time. So I had to wear jeans constantly because I never knew when I was going to be hopping on the back of a bike. And um, once I, I did that for like five years. And so it'd be the middle of summer and I'd be in jeans. And kind of once I left that industry, I was like, you know what? I don't want to wear jeans ever again. <laughs> like, I just don't want to wear them. And now I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, now, you know, I could maybe like bring back some jeans and wear my jeans, but I, I haven't recently. Uh, I did a couple years ago. I went riding. Um, like during the pandemic and it was uh like oh, i hope these still fit <laughs> <laughs> they did they still thankfully i was i didn't know if they would or not um nice. but anyways so uh, i for a while i had um just a clip-on holster that i would attach to my leggings um which was fine although it's it was just always kind of hard because um like the elastic band on a lot of my leggings is not super, not like super firm. So I felt like I was readjusting a lot and um, just not ever really super comfortable. So basically this like clips inside of your leggings and then, um, you know, your firearm is inside of that. So, I mean, it's, 
again, not great with every outfit either, but, um, you know, for what it is, it works. And then I have a, I have just like a regular belt holster that I'll take to the range once in a while. And it's just, you know, it goes through my belt loops. I do have a uh, couple of pairs of tactical pants that I invested in that I actually, I really do like them, but again, like it's just not, I don't, that's not totally my look. Maybe it will be, but I haven't like completely committed to being this like tactical woman, I guess. Um, and then the, uh, like the thigh holster, I mean, I got thick thighs. I'm a curvy lady. So like, I just, I can't rock that. I would like to, cause I do, I wear a lot of dresses. Like in theory, that's probably what I would be best wearing, but it's just like, I just don't have the right, uh, body type for, for the thigh holsters. Um, I don't think they're comfortable and, uh, I just, you know, Thick thighs save lives, but they're not good for holsters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a firm believer in um, whatever you get, just train with it so you can get better at it. Um, like I said, I do have a series of holsters that I carry. Um, some of my favorites are the Jam 4 Tactical Holster that I do have, and I shoot with competition as well. But I also have a 77 Solutions Holster and that was probably one of my favorites right there. And I also have a tier one holster. And out of all the holsters that I have, a tier one doesn't stand up to the other holsters that I have. I also have a Bravo concealment holster. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I still like dance between those three being jammed for 77 solutions and the Bravo concealment but not necessarily um, the tier one. Yeah. And the one thing I don't like about the tier one holster is the fact that it leans more forward, you know? So like when I'm wearing it, it doesn't sink down deep enough for me. And I adjusted it all different variations to try to make it curve back into me. It just didn't, you know? So um, that's the one holster that whenever I did wear it, it was more along the lines of like as people looking at me now because they could see like the bottom part of the hand grip poking out from the shirt something like that then I had to change my posture when I'm doubting because I don't want to be touching on it and making it obvious (laughs) I got it but um everything else is perfect you know and um of course every time when you recommend something it's also off of um your knowledge of it and your experience with it as well. But those are the three that I like to carry. But like I said, it also depends on what's going on with me. You know, if I'm driving, I definitely like um, 77 Solutions better. You know, if I'm walking around, like if I go downtown, something like that, and I'm just walking around, yeah, I might have the 77 Solutions or the JM4. You know, if I just going to go right quick to Walmart or whatever, I might take the Bravo concealment. You know, there's no specific order in how I carry it. It's just, I categorize which one is better for different situations. And that's how I wear it. And they, they all might be on the same plane. <laughs> I never really researched it that in depth, but that's how I break it down when I walk out the door with the holster that I'm going to carry for that day. But a female, like all those other ones you just described, like uh, I don't have a thigh one, 
I mean, I don't wear skirts or dresses or anything like that. Um, <laughs> when I teach the classes, I do talk about the clips, yeah. um, like the fabric clips that come with different holsters and everything. Um, I don't own one of those, but I know about it. But somebody else, that might be their favorite holster compared to what I like, you right. know. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I, I believe, honestly, females have more options when it comes to concealed carrying outside of a man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's just a lot of holster options, too. Right. We can put one in our bra. Like, we got all sorts of options. <laughs> I seen that one. I was like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> but then again, like I said, um, my, yeah, I think that'd be pretty dangerous. But my grandmother, my dad's mom used to carry like that also. Really? Like back in the day. But she was top heavy, though. Yeah. She was top heavy. And then one day she pulled it out. It was so fast. I was like, oh, <laughs> granny carries a firearm. <laughs> and that was how I was introduced to her carrying a firearm. <laughs> but then again, if you like listen to past episodes or hear different interviews that I talk on, I've always stated that the women in my family all carried firearms. Not necessarily the men, but all the women did. This is on my dad's side of the family, you know? And um, I had no idea until my grandmother pulled it out one day <laughs> and she told me like, yeah, you know, your aunt Bessie, she carries one. And, you know, just went down the line, all my different aunts and cousins that carry one. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Now I know. But that was before I was like really into firearms. I think I was still like a teenager um, when she told me that one. It's in your blood. Yeah, it is. Actually, it is. <laughs> It really is. <laughs> but yeah, but however you decide to carry, just make sure you have a holster, you train with it, and just be safe. Um, don't be the reckless person that just puts a firearm in their pants and just walk around and you're trying to be cool or whatever the case may be. If you can't afford one, there are different pricing options because like I said, all the ones that I talked about they range from $50 to $130. So you don't have to break the bank to get a holster, but get something that will protect you. Because one thing about a holster is it does protect the trigger. And the second aspect of it is wherever you put it on you, if it's reliable enough, it's not going to dance around. So whenever you go to pull it, that repetition is going to be there. So you're not guessing, okay, I put it, center line on my body but now it's more to the left side of my body <laughs> right so when you need it there's no second guessing on how you're going to pull it out but let us know your favorite holster and what brand of holsters you prefer and what you recommend to people as well you know so i would think that would be a pretty interesting conversation actually i'm gonna do a poll on that on youtube also put that poll up yeah. and see how many people respond to that yeah, so um, let's talk about the wish list for your AR. So have you put any more thought into it, what you want to decorate your AR with? Mm, well, I want to get a flashlight. A flashlight option. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. Now, have you done any training with the flashlight? Uh, not on the AR, hmm. uh, just with a pistol. Um, but you which, liked it? I well yes and no so I like the idea of the flashlight I just don't I don't like I have a Glock 19 that I mainly shoot with and I don't 
I didn't love the flashlight that I was trying, but I've shot other pistols with flashlights and I like the idea of being able to have light if I need it. Um, I just need to get the right setup for it. Um, and I also, I mean, with a, like with a pistol, it's a little different because I figure if I am, if someone did break into my house, that would probably be what I would go for. And I'm guessing, unless they're, <laughs> I don't live in California. So, I mean, they're not robbing us in broad daylight, like in some places, <laughs> but <laughs> I would think that I would get attacked in the night and therefore the light could be beneficial in that situation. I got you. I got you. Um, like I said, I'm impartial about the flashlight. Um, with me, I have a flashlight, but I don't carry one around with me every day. So it's not part of my EDC. Sure. Um, now, I, like I said, I do have three different type of flashlights I would carry around with me if I had a selection. But they stay within my home. Like, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't put it in my range bag or one is in the vehicle or anything like that. All three of them stay in the house. Um, is that right or wrong? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> but I was never in a situation whereas I had to use a flashlight. Like that really stands out to me. Sure. You know, like, of course, you know, I've done training with it. Everybody's done training with the flashlight at one point in time. But I never use the flashlight in a real world situation. Right? Because, of course, when I was in a real world situation, I was using nods. And those nods, we had infrared on our firing systems. And, of course, you know, you just push a button and you'll see the laser beam. But right. the naked eye can't see it. Sure. You know, maybe I got accustomed to that. I don't know. But I do know if someone was to coming to my residence in the middle of the night with all the lights out. Of course, I know my floor plan. Nobody else knows my floor plan like I do, right. you know, but still that's not an excuse not to have a flashlight. You know what I'm saying? Um, that flashlight can be used for you as a weapon also. So in the middle of the night, you hit somebody in the eye with a quick burst. It's going to blind them momentarily because they can be seeing like the stars, the flicker and everything. So yeah. that can be working your advantage if you look at it from that aspect. Um, disadvantage is if you're not properly trained with it, how long you leave it on without moving, you're giving your position away. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there's pros and cons to it, but like I said, I'm just not one who is, oh, I got to get the flashlight. I got to get a flashlight. I'm, I'm not sold on it like that. Yeah. You know, it's not going to make or break me. I'll just put it like that. Sure. But if I was to actually carry one around with me every day, I honestly believe the Enforce will probably be the best one because I, I think that's more simpler when it comes to activating it because it's like a touchpad and it's ambidextrous, like left and right side of the firearm. Yeah. So if you're left-handed, Right. You can still manipulate the controls on, you know, whatever side is easier for you. Yeah. Right. Because it's like a square pad that literally sits on both sides of the trigger guard, you know. But that would be the one that I would select, uh, whatever model number it is. I don't know right offhand. But 
um, when I was playing around with of them, uh, some of them, like they got like flip levers and everything. I think that's too much thought if in a time of need. Whereas, right. like I said, M-Force has a push pad, whereas you just, it's already lined up with your fingers, you just push it forward and the light comes on <laughs> and do whatever. So um, that's how I look at it though. Nice. Yeah. So what else is on the, um, the wish list outside of a flashlight? I gotta get a sling still. Um, on a sling? What? Oh, I know. I am, I'm borrowing one right now, which is fine, but I uh, would like to get my own. <laughs> now, have you looked at any slings in particular? No. Well, I did, but it wasn't. It wasn't recently. I was um, down at uh, what is that? Five eighteen tactical or five one eight. There's one down in it's just north of chicago but this was over the summer last year and i was down there buying i think i bought a backpack maybe and i was and i didn't even have an ar at that point but i was just looking at different sling options and stuff like that and talking to one of the um you know the store clerks and just brainstorming and thinking about things so i remember looking at a few that maybe piqued my interest but i have not uh you know gone back and looked and or made any decisions. Hmm. I know like um the sling that I have is um the Haley Strategic D3 sling. And it's one of those type slings, it transforms. You know, so it can go from um a two point to a one point sling. You know, um, and all it is is a quick release tab. You take it out and it connects to itself from the, the firing system. So you release it from the firing system and then it's another tab that connects to you because the sling is already around you. Now you just got like that one point, you know, so it's only one point connected to the firing system. Yeah. And then um, the other side of it is you reverse it, take the other one, put it back into the, um, the firing system. But now it's so easy to manipulate the opening it up and closing it in. It's, that was the best one that I played with when I was in the hunt for looking for a sling. Okay. But it was a couple of years ago also, yeah. you know, because I was always like, I mean, you just need a regular sling to look like a regular belt. <laughs> You'll be okay. <laughs> you know, but of course, you know, a lot of people think when you're in the military, you get gifted to use all this latest and greatest gear. That stuff was like hand-me-downs and beat up. <laughs> It was like bottom of the barrel selections you had. But um, <laughs> of course, you, you know, you know how to manipulate it, put tape around it or, you know, right. rig it up where it's more comfortable for you, depending on the situation. Or you just go out and buy your own and use it. But um, like I said, just over the course of time, that was the one that I really liked the most because of the options that it gives you. You yeah. Know, so that might be something you want to look at straight off the hand, you know, because um, I haven't compared any other slings because once I got my hands on that one, I was like, yep, this is solid, you know, but um, I know there's a few of them out there that a lot of people um, talk on. And I know American Gun Chick, she has one. I can't remember the sling that she has, but I know the the company that makes it they use um, like 550 cord. Okay. Yeah, so it's like individual and all that. And I think that one transforms also, but I'm not really certain. Nice. That's yeah. Cool. 
Yeah. Anything else um, outside of the sling and flashlight? Um, and then I still need to get, I have a case picked out that I want to get. It's just a soft Uh-oh. case. Um, soft case? No, I want to get a soft case. Okay, so why a soft case and not a hard case? Because uh, I have a Jeep and I'm so limited on space. <laughs> like the back of the jeep wrangler is not big at all so um it's even when i have to put like my duffel bag in my backpack and stuff back there and i'm like can i just you know i can flip the back seat up but i just i'm really limited on room and having a hard case back there is just it just takes up even more room than i have less storage capacity now i actually look at it like this I don't think you're going to have that Jeep forever, right? hmm. but you, you might have that rifle longer than the Jeep. True. We, we I'm, get another Jeep. I'm actually looking at another one. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Well, we, we might just stay in the realm of the Jeep family, <laughs> but um, what about if you travel? I don't think it would be a great idea to travel with the soft case. Like if you was to get on an airplane with the rifle, that's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't fly anymore. I literally drive. November 2020 I've driven everywhere because I don't want to wear masks I, until they drop their mask mandate I'm not getting on a flight <laughs> yeah I don't blame you on that one either <laughs> but um yeah that, that was the only thing like for me it's just all the traveling I do yeah I would rather the case get banged up than the equipment inside of the case get banged up so that's the only reason why I'm big on um the hard cases but I have a couple of pelican cases um then I have a plastic one, but I'm not really fond of the plastic one. Yeah. You know, but then um, you can also hit up whatever case you do get, um, hit up MOA custom phone and have them do custom design for you That's and, true. you know, make it look pretty fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's uh, at some point I'll get a hard case, but right now I just, I mean, just with like, since I drive to most of the events that I go to, so it's like I my Jeep space is limited and I already have to bring my suitcase and my backpack and other stuff. So I'm trying yeah. to preserve as much space as possible. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll make space. It's, like, it's always room for one more. It's <laughs> <laughs> always room. <laughs> Anything else outside of that wish list? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, that's... I still have thought about, you know, doing like Cerakote on it or, you know, just like making it fun, but yeah, we'll see. I don't, it's not a must do. It's just a nice to have. So we're going to keep it simple. So we got the yeah. flashlight, the case and a sling. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, we're going to check back with Rockstar before Christmas and hopefully we're going to have that, that wish list complete. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna make it happen we gonna right happen. <laughs> yeah so for me um i like to keep it simple you know what i'm saying um of course you know i have a couple optics on my rifles but i don't go all out so you don't see like a long range rifle i mean a long range optic on any of my um ar rifles right i just primary arms you know simple math in the glass i'm cool with it now my um, long range rifles that's a different story um i got a bushnell uh hd hdr um or hdmr whatever it's called long range rifle um scope 
for um, my Remington 700, my Ruger, and um, I got two 700s and the Ruger. So um, I just take the scope and I just go from rifle to rifle, you know. But then again, like I said, I got um, primary arms on two of the rifles. And like I said, once again, the math is so simple in the glass. That's why I like it. Everything else, you got to kind of use um, either that um, Kestrel or do the math, you know. But primary arms, it takes the math out of the equation because you can do the math by looking at the glass also. But that's how it runs with me. Um, sling choices, like I already told you. Flashlights, I never really considered putting one on my AR. And I think what it is, is when I was in the Army, we had so much stuff on our firing systems, our weapons, that um, it was heavy and they wouldn't allow us to take certain things off when we didn't need them. But I was just scarred. I was scarred. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to keep it simple. So, And a lot of times you always hear me always say when people say, what's your selection of whatever, I always said iron sights, you know, versus red dot on like um, a handgun. But now AR-15, no, I'm not going to go for um, um, iron sights on AR-15, you know, um, or M4, however you want to look at it. Now I'm going to go with some type of optic that is something like a red dot or a measuring system because of the fact um, the AR platform is made, you know, from um, close range to mid range, you know, so what is a handgun is made from seven to 25, right? AR should be from 25 out to at least three, right? And then everything past three is your long range game. So like, that's how it calculates in my mind. That's my way of looking at it, <laughs> right? However you look at it is how you look at it, you know? But um, hopefully that wish list will come true for you. And then as soon as you get all that, you're going to be like, oh, I want to get this. I want to get that. I want to customize these magazines. <laughs> you know? So it's a never ending story. As soon as you get something done, you're not going to be happy. It's going to take you on that, that hunt, that journey. <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, <clears throat> so we know what we're going to do with, um, oh, do you have a handgun? A favorite well, handgun? My favorite one? Well, I like the 43X and then, um, that's Glock though, right? Yeah. Okay. I know I'm That's small long. too, ain't it? Yeah, it's only 10 rounds, but it's mm -hmm. like, it's a really, uh, it's great for carrying. The 19, I like the 19, but it's big. I mean, it's, it's, I can conceal it in my purse, I suppose, but it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wear it in my bra holster. That's for sure. <laughs> I got you. I understand. <laughs> right. So now would you put a flashlight on the handgun? Uh, yeah, well, I would put a flashlight, not probably on my carry, but probably just on like home protection. Right. But I don't think I would put a flashlight on just my EDC. I don't, I, I, I can't think of a situation where that would really come in handy, I guess. I, I don't know. Well, I got you. All right. So now let's move on to training. All right. So let's talk about it from the standpoint of the police and individual. Um, let's start off with the police training. Um, how do you look at police training and how do you feel about it? 
I mean, I feel like the police are probably undertrained. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how much time they're actually like dedicating to training, you know, weekly, monthly, yearly, but I would imagine it's not a ton. And I, I'm, again, it's like depart, every department does it differently. I don't, there's not like a, a standard that we make them go to. And I, you know, I haven't actually, um, they haven't talked to a lot of officers about how much training they actually do and um, how they train or, you know, is it mandated or they, do they do it on their own time? Um, or, and who, like, who are they training with when they are training? Is to, are they bringing in professionals? Are they just going to the range and firing a few rounds? Um, I think that, that would be us to, to go through, like figure out, you know, what firearms are they using and why are they using them? Uh, who do they train with? How often are they training? Um, does everyone carry the same firearm? Are there different ones within the police force? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's like a lot of things. I don't know what their their criteria or their checklist is, but that would kind of be some, some of the questions that I have to just to see what they're up to, what they're doing and what they're using. I have a few friends that are um, officers of the law. And one thing I've always heard them all say was, like, their training is very minimal. Like, one person, I'm not going to say the city or state they're in, one person actually said, like, yes, they gave us one box of ammo, and that's our training for the year. Uh, What? Yeah, man, budgets. (laughs) Everything is budget-related, of course. Um, The other side of it is firearm selection, right? So, like, if you look at a police force, their issued firearms are normally going to be the same. Right. You know, it's like contracts or whatever. So whatever company comes to them or however they make their selection process, they select it. That's the minimum of what they should carry. So let's just happen to say it's um, Glock, right? So you'll see everybody carrying a Glock. They can't modify it at all, like they carry um, the carrying system, uh, meaning the firearm. Now um, they can carry their own, but it has certain type of um, guidelines it has to follow. Once again, it can't be modified because if they use it and they go to court and it was modified, okay. What if you happen to say, "Well, I sneeze," and okay, you got a hair weight fit, um, trigger. That's going to go against you and everything. So it can't be modified in any type of way. Um, but like I have a, another buddy in the town he lives in. He's like um, the sheriff, the actual sheriff. And he carries, um, it's a semi-automatic, but I'm not going to say what it is, but it's not modified. But when he carries it and you look at everybody else, they're carrying revolvers. It's a small town, like no crime happens there, right? And the crime that does happen there is the little kid on the bike rolling around kicking mailboxes. <laughs> That's the extent of their crime, you know? But, um, you know, just listening to different people, you know, talk about their training, going to the range, it's all over the scale. But like you said, I believe they're undertrained as also. Now, diving deeper into their training, I've always said that I 
don't believe a lot of the organizations with law enforcement trains fairly because yes, you pull me over and I look, I'm a big guy, but if I'm following everything you're saying, why are you pulling a firearm out on me versus if my skin color was different, you're treating me different. You know what I'm saying? So how is training like that being mitigated within the force? You know? Um, And we've all seen the videos, like the Uber driver getting pulled over with the taser, get out the car, you know, I want to see the supervisor. You know, you're trying to be safe, just like they're trying to be safe, you know, but egos and emotions get into it a lot of times. Well, yeah, a lot of times I say it like that. But how is de-escalation training for police officers being handled or is it any type of training for de-escalation you know with within the police force i don't know now um from an individual standpoint i've always said you should go to the range regularly because if you carry a firearm on you you should be proficient with that firearm whereas it's second nature and you shouldn't have to think about what you're doing you know so if you happen to pull out and you had a malfunction, you should be able to clear that malfunction without doing a stop look. Once you feel it, you should be able to just automatically go into it to get back into the fight. Um, but does your training go further than the firearm on the range? Right? How do you train yourself as far as it goes with um, communication with people? Right? When you're calling in a 911 call, do you practice um, describing yourself? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I just witnessed a shooting or I was in a shooting XYZ, XYZ. Do you tell them what you look like so when officers show up, if you are a person of color and you have a firearm pointed at somebody, they're not looking at you as the bad guy and reacting when they pull up and see a firearm in your hand? right do you do stuff like that as far as training um as your training went far as first aid you know so um i think a lot of people need to think outside of the box when it comes to training um but that's just my personal belief from an individual standpoint but i also believe that on the law enforcement side of things the training needs to be more you know um far as communication because i talking to somebody yeah you can easily ramp somebody up by just saying a few words keywords to get them fired up but that's still not a reason to jump the gun you know what i'm saying so you can control the situation just by being calm we already know that <laughs> but what's your take on that yeah i mean I there's training goes beyond going to the um just to the range. I think there's a lot of things that go on. I know they've done like de-escalation training here for the Milwaukee police force. Um, the cops here are actually pretty cool. I am not a big, I'm not really like a whole like back the blue, I'm, I'm fairly anti-state <laughs> by and large. The police are an extension of that. But um, I was actually, when I was, I had to have been like 20. No, I think I was maybe 21. 
I think I could drink. I was at a, um, there's a block party. So the street that I live off of, there's a block party every summer and they shut it down. They do a 5K, they run, it's like a beer run. Um, and then after the 5K, there's live music and there's food vendors and there's, it's just a lot of people like from the neighborhood kind of wandering through. So this was probably 2009-ish and I, you know, it was after the event, we're at, uh, it was, uh, you know, it's called Locust Street Days and it's, 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 it's a fun event. But anyways, I was there, I met up with, well, I didn't even meet up, I ran into one of my friends who was there and um, he was in a band, I met him because I was in a band at the time and um, we were just kind of like catching up and doing our own thing and there was a shooting like right in front of us and it was uh and the, the actually the shell of the um the bullet shell hit my foot and it was like the most surreal it was a very weird experience uh because it's kind of like time sort of like stops and everything's in slow motion and you like feel everything sort of pounding in your head and you're like oh my gosh what is happening everyone kind of scatters and um but anyway it was these two kids they were they were kids they were 15 and they had gotten in a tiff with this other guy who was at the festival and they like went back home and then came back and had a gun and they shot the guy in the hip and he was okay I mean he lived and the kids ran off and they caught them eventually but it was just a really um crazy thing but the cops were there just because it was this block party and this street event and um they were very helpful in that situation and they did a lot of just kind of like crowd control and like call, crowd calming and they were very quick to try to get witnesses and get people to talk and try to figure out where these kids ran off to um so I, like in that and it was cool because you know i would see them around the neighborhood um a few of them that were at that event and you know you'd wave and they'd be in the squad car and it was like nice to see that they were part of the community so um I did always, after that, like, I always kind of thought, you know, oh, you know, they're, they're fairly competent in these things. Like I witnessed it firsthand. They showed up quickly. They seemed to be asking the right questions. They were trying to catch the quote unquote bad guys for shooting this guy at this festival. And uh, um, so I don't know like what that training, like how they knew to do that or what training they went through to get to that point. But it seemed like they had, you know, some and kind of sort of keep thing keep the peace and um gather the correct information so uh they're not totally incompetent i i won't i won't you know scold them for that right right and like we already said beforehand not all police officers are bad um right. there are a lot of people who actually join um police force and um their intentions are true but because one person's intentions are true doesn't mean the next person's intentions are the same. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we can't scold them all, but um, we can say training is training, <laughs> you know, when you look at it, but that's how it goes. All right, so let's dive into an, another quick commercial break. And then when we come back, uh, we want to hit up um, the discussion on the firing squad. And how do you look at it? How do you feel about it? You know, so um, if you will, please go ahead and refresh your drinks. This is your time to order your pizza 
if you are hungry. And here are a few words from our sponsors. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. Hey, this is Brian. Thank you so much for listening to the N-W Tactical Podcast. Michael has been a great supporter of Hunter's HD Gold, and it's my pleasure to be a support for his podcast as well. Make sure you check out the Hunter's HD Gold website for prescription orders and also custom orders where you can use your own frame for your Hunter's HD Gold lenses. Or if you want to try the new Hunter's HD Ruby, we have information there as well. Because we always use Trivex lenses as our base material, and all our lenses are photochromic so they change so you don't have to. So thank you again for listening to the N-W Tactical Podcast, and we'll see you at the range soon. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-WTactical. Alright good people, we're back at it again and once again, thank you for sitting through that commercial break and joining us for the final part of the M-W Tactical Podcast, this show. Now, um, before the commercial break, we actually said we was going to talk about firing squad. And I know a lot of people are going to say that's inhumane and it's ugly and it's something we shouldn't be doing. But for whatever reason is going on with the law, it is what it is. So if someone is sentenced to death, they do have the choice. Well, they don't have the choice, but some states actually use an electric chair, lethal injection. And now um, South Carolina is using the firing squad. From what I read, I guess the person who is the, um, the one who is sentenced to death has an option of how they want to do it. Um, but let me, before I go into like the whole history of what I think and everything, I want to hear what Rockstar has to say about the firing squad. <laughs> Yeah, so this one's interesting. So let me pull up this article and see if I have it ready. Um, it was on NPR, um, mm -hmm. and it's basically, so South Carolina decided that um, if people were going to be subjected to the death penalty, uh, that they would have the option between the electric chair or firing squad if lethal injection wasn't available. 
And I am actually like, I'm pretty against the death penalty for the most part. I'm actually like pretty pro-life, um, but I'm very pro like life without parole and like keeping people locked up and not letting them keep, you know, trying to get off on their case once they've been proven guilty. I mean, there's definitely instances where people are locked up for the wrong thing or, you know, they're proven innocent later, but um, there's just a lot of, uh, once you're just in the court system and people just tie it up for years and years and years, it costs the taxpayers a lot of dollars. And I just think that it can be reformed, but I'm not a, uh, I'm not a fan of the state being able to kill citizens. That's like not something that I'm a, a big fan of. Uh, but I, I guess if we're, you know, if we're going to have that, if that's going to be a thing that's on the books, then, you know, you are going to get killed. I think that you should have, you should have an option, right? You should be able to say how you want to go out, you know, I want to, you know, stick a needle in me or strap into the electric chair, or, you know, I want to die by firing squad. I mean, I guess that's the least they can do if they're going to execute you. Now, um... I just think it's interesting. So it's the article... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. What are you saying? Oh, um, one thing that I thought was interesting it says only Mississippi, Oklahoma, and Utah offer firing squad as an option to death row inmates. And then since 1976, only three people have been executed by firing squad. So it's not a very popular option, um, <laughs> but it's, it is an option. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, now, you know, um, South Carolina is being added to that list and other score states that, that do this. I'm trying to remember who I was talking with about this. This was like years ago. And when I say years ago, it was over 15 years ago. Um, when people were first starting to talk about um, the firing squad. And whatever state we was talking about and however it went down, the way it went was you probably had seven people standing in front of um, the person who's going to get executed. But it was only one person that had a live round in the firearm but they didn't know who the person was that had the live round. So it wasn't like it was on anybody's conscience as, hey, you, you know, killed the person. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, at least this is what I'm thinking. But um, how does that play out? Because I, what I read for South Carolina, it was three people mm -hmm. um, on the firing squad. But is it the same thing? Whereas it's only going to be one person with the live round, but they're not going to know which person is going to have the live round. Yeah, I'm not actually so. sure. I don't know. Let's see if it says. I, uh, I, yeah, I've always, well, I don't know. I mean, the only firing squads I've watched are in movies and um, right. <laughs> Hollywood is not a great depiction of the truth. Um, because I would think if you had multiple people doing it, so even if you have three people, all three people have live rounds in the firearm on their right. own firing squad. I would think one of the people probably, it's hard to actually pull a trigger on another human unless right. they're physically doing something to you. Right. Right. Um, now, <clears throat> let's just happen to say the person who is a law officer of the law, um, go to church, values are upright, right? If they pull the trigger, are they closing their eyes? 
right? Because you're supposed to be aiming around the heart area, but it hits in the belly area. Another one hits in the heart area and another one hits the wall. You know what I'm saying? So now are those people, the officers on the firing squad, are they going to get bought up on any charges for not doing the job correctly or because now that will possibly go back to training, <laughs> you know? So, like, how does that play out, right? If it's more than one person that has a live round into the firearm. Yeah, and I'm surprised that they even need people to do it. I, I mean, I'm sure, like, why couldn't you just get, like, robots? I, you know what I mean? There's, like, I feel like there's things you could do to keep people from being the ones pulling the trigger, but... Yeah. also like how do you select that and what is it like do you sign up for it do you just get chosen um can you opt out of it <laughs> you know i have like a lot of questions about how it works <laughs> well I, I do say i want to say the article that i read it was from cnn okay and it wasn't that long it didn't go into detail it just kind of talked about it and the way it said it in the article was um they can volunteer for it Okay. So I'm trying to. I know the NPR one basically just says they spent $53,000 in renovations to make us firing squad space in their facility. Um, and it says the protocols have been written and the department is ready to carry out an order of execution by firing squad if the inmate chooses this method. But then it doesn't say what the actual protocols are. So I'd be interested. I mean, I'm almost curious if I want to like write them and be like, so what are your protocols? What is the what is the scoop on this whole firing squad? And I would love to read that. I think that's very oh yeah. Now, I know you, if you call them, they'll tell you. They'll tell no, you. Yeah, they totally will. Yeah. But like right here what I'm reading it says members of the firing squad must meet certain qualifications and are volunteer department employees according to the release, okay. you know, so um, obviously you got to meet the qualifications. So whatever their standard is for doing that, I'm pretty sure it has to be pretty hot because once again, like I said, the same article was saying there's something placed over the heart that you must aim at and shoot, but it doesn't go into detail and in saying um, all three people have live rounds in the firearm. At right. least that's what I'm speculating. There's only one round out of the three in the firearm. And what if no one volunteers? Then what do you do? What if no one wants to do it? Um, I guess you go back to lethal injection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, Alex, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to make a joke out of it or anything, but... Um, but it's true. I mean, what yeah, out of it, Yeah, Which so... Like, how, how would you actually say like oh yeah i want to volunteer for that right like what does that say to you as a person <laughs> i know i do not want to be that person like yeah, yeah i'll sign up to kill people that's yeah because <laughs> yeah, you can't just fall back well, i was just doing my job well you volunteered for it also <laughs> you know <laughs> um, like, how do you answer for that one i don't know that, so that's kind of weird though but let, all right so let's look at it from this standpoint let's just happen to say this same law was in California. And we see the craziness that's going on in California right now, right? And it was just last week, the police chief put out like, don't walk around with expensive jury on because once again, 
whatever's going on in California is falling apart. That's what it appears <laughs> to me, you know, especially when they say like, oh, don't walk around here with expensive jewelry and then the video I seen. It was like people standing on a porch of their house talking and two guys just walked up and said, DEA, get your hands up, caught them off guard. And then like going in their pockets, taking everything. I'm like, wow, it's really that serious out there. So now let's happen to say you get caught. This person said they feared for their life because there was a robbery. Um, let's just say a firearm was involved. Now, let's say that was subject to even saying um, the death penalty, right? Rough speculation here now. How do you even justify that? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the death penalty is like for like the worst crimes in society. You yeah, know? yeah, that's how I look actually, at it. Actually, there is the only instance where I actually support the death penalty is for politicians. I actually like if you work for the state, I feel like you if you work for the state and you have betrayed the country and you've committed treason, then the state should be able to execute you. That is one instance where I am like. You wouldn't even have um, a government there. I don't know. I know. They don't, exactly. <laughs> I know. One of my friends would always say, like, yeah, but, you know, if we had that instance, he's like, how would the taxpayers pay for it? Like, everybody would be, I'm like, and she was so funny. She's like, like oh no, she's like, she's like, trees are free and rope is cheap. We could take a lot of people out. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I really cleaned out the swamp. <laughs> wow. This is, I guess that's one way to look at it. <laughs> Man, but um, I don't know. That's, I think that would be a difficult, at first, I think it would be hard to actually get people to volunteer for anything like that, you know? Now I can actually see like if they happen to say like person A, B, and C meets the qualifications what we're looking for. And now they submit it to them and say, okay, y'all three got selected. And let's say one of them decides to pull out like, hey, look, um, I'm not feeling right about this. I don't want to partake in that. Um, then they pick somebody else or they can't get somebody else, you know? Um, I just want to, like you said, I'm curious to know what the protocol is and how does it play out with all scenarios? Right. You know, because I don't see nobody jumping to the front of the line and say, oh, well, yeah, I want to do that. That's part of my description of my job. I want to do, I don't see nobody doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but just off of how I look at life right now, I don't see nobody stepping up volunteering to do that. Right. You know, so pretty catchy to me. But um, like we said, that California scenario, what is going on out there in California? It's rotting from the inside. Yeah, but outside of all the, the crazy laws, the high taxes, I mean what is going on whereas the police are saying they can't come out and do their job or the politicians don't want to step forth and say okay citizens you can now conceal carry or whatever the reason may be well it's interesting so a couple of years ago in milwaukee um 
Sheriff David Clark made kind of a similar statement. He basically was like, you know, we're not, you need to, you need to be able to take care of yourselves. Like we're not going to be able to get there in time, depending on the nature of the crime that's happening. So he really kind of was telling people to arm themselves and to be vigilant and to be ready. And so now the, what's his name? Michael Moore, I think he's the, um, uh, police chief out there and he said the same things like the public needs to be more vigilant and then you know he was talking about expensive jewelry and high-end cars and you know watch when you're leaving restaurants and you're leaving the bars and try to make sure that you're not in the dark and you're staying in well-lit areas and that uh, you know the people who are most likely going to rob you probably have a firearm so are you going to just be a sitting duck or are you and that's the thing like I really do think if people um if people carried more criminals would think twice but especially in California they know that a lot of people aren't carrying and they know it's, it's you know the culture out there is despite Hollywood cranking out millions of movies about guns and firearms and all those things uh the people who actually live in California are not pro 2a and they're not necessarily caring and there's a ton of regulations and laws in the book that really make it hard for the average citizen to be able to protect themselves which now we're seeing oh look who has the guns the bad guys um so it, it's just kind of it's I hate seeing people be put in harm's way because of poor policies and poor politicians, um, you know, thoughts on how things should be. But it's sometimes you need to have a taste of your own medicine to see why stuff doesn't work and why you need to change policy and why people should have the right to protect themselves and should be able to carry because now it's like, well, now you have a bunch of sitting ducks and you have a bunch of criminals who know that they're sitting ducks and they're completely exploiting the situation for their own gain for, you know, cars, jewelry, expensive things, joy rides, what have you. Uh, it's, it's pretty obvious that the inmates are, are running the asylum out there. So um, I don't know how you fix it. I, I, I think you fix it by empowering citizens. I think that's a good step in the right direction. But then you know, I, I don't want to see someone who's protecting themselves then be in trouble by California law because of the laws that are already on the books. And, you know, they were doing the right thing by protecting their, you know, their body, but they harmed a criminal in the process. So, yeah, it's a really interesting state of affairs out there. One thing I, I don't like is whenever something happens with the firearm and they come up with a new law, it doesn't hurt the, the bad guys. Right. It's only hurting the people that are doing the right thing. So right. why would you go against the people doing the right thing? Right. right? And I'm a firm believer in it. If somebody does something with a firearm that is illegal, prosecute them to the extent of the law. You know what I'm saying? That's too easy. But all these laws are pretty much just going against the person that's doing the right thing, the citizens who are doing the right thing. Um, the other thing I don't agree with is, um, like you said, <laughs> when you're compiling all that negativity uh, against the firearm, 
all right, and putting these laws into place, like, and let's use a school zone, for example, right? Who's in a school zone majority of the time? Kids, you know? So if this person that has bad intentions is going to the school zone with the firearm and average citizen comes by and decides to help out, is he going to get prosecuted for being in the school zone for taking out the bad guy? Or not having, not supposed to have that firearm in the school right. zone, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's, it's all fictitious in the sense of speaking. But why is the person who's trying to do the right thing being punished more? Which I honestly believe is nothing more than the politicians make it out to be the problem. They're trying to solve the problem, right? And they're not doing a good job of it, right? right. And they're just trying to make themselves look and sound good for votes. Oh, we did this. We did that. Well, look what, um, what we did a couple of years ago and look at the state we're in right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. I know. And it's like, none of these laws work because the bad guys are winning and bad guys don't follow law. So that's like, you can pass every single law in the book that you want, but like, that's the whole point. Criminals don't follow them. That's why they're criminals. Yeah, that's true. Um, just like there's a city in Georgia. I can't remember the name of the city, but it, I want to say it's like a city mandate that you must have an, um, one rifle in your home or a firearm in your home or something like that. But crime is like next to nothing in this town. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Because everybody knows like, oh, you don't want to go into that house. So you got more right. than enough. <laughs> well, that house, yeah, he got two or three. You know, so which house do you plot on? <laughs> you know? It's crazy, but um, I'm still surprised that the politicians have not bought or brought pro two A people to the table and had a discussion. Right. You know, they like, yeah, they they won't do it. They will. They will not do it. A straight up discussion and make it public. All right. Now, what they have done, they had hearings, but these hearings, you know, yeah, they can shield them out and everything, and people won't never know about it, you know? Just like uh, Jarrah. Jarrah went to a, um, a hearing, uh, the Senate hearing, congressional hearing, whatever it was that she went to, and um, she spoke on matters like that. Um, Chris Chain, he did the same thing, you know? And it's... Mosh, you know, he did it <laughs> and also, you know, but it wasn't something that was publicized because it was a congressional hearing, right? I think what needs right. to happen is um, the politicians, both Senate and Congress, need to have like a roundtable discussion within communities and only bring the pro two-way people to the table and get the honest discussion in the works. Right. Right. Um, and it's just like I said, a couple of years ago, I invited a couple politicians to come out to the range with me, you know, hey, come out to the range with me. Um, let me show you the training, how we actually talk to people and go forth with it. Right. Crickets, no callback. Right. And that was like email. And I, it wasn't just a one-time thing for me. Right. I did it consecutively for six months phone calls emails writing letters 
<laughs> I was trying to cover all my bases, but nobody ever got back with me on that, you know? So um, did the same thing with uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Also wrote the view and stated like, hey, I understand you're not pro to gun, but let me bring you to the range and show you exactly why the average citizen feels the need to have a firearm. Because not everybody is under the guise of a bodyguard protecting them or having a security team around them. You know, your studio, you have a security team. (laughs) More than likely, celebrity, the neighborhood you live in, there is somebody patrolling your neighborhood for the interests of that neighborhood, right? We don't have that luxury where I live at, at least in my neighborhood, and we got to depend on the neighbor to help out for our security, (laughs) you know? So um, I, I'm just waiting on the real conversation to take place instead of the fictitious conversation that's taking place. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm still waiting to hear the conversation of why firearms are bad. Because if we're going to talk about why firearms are bad, now we need to talk about the people's intentions behind the firearms. And we can't just start today. We have to go back in time and talk about it building up until today. And I don't think a lot of people really want to hear that conversation take place. Well, right. Because there were, I mean, think about before we had guns, way before we had guns, people were still making, we had catapults, we had um, slingshots, we had, you know what I mean? We had all sorts of weaponry. And I mean, the firearm has probably made it significantly more efficient and, you know, versus like sword fighting or things like that, where you're really like up close and personal. But it's like to think that there haven't been weapons throughout history, like that's just ignorant. And to think that there haven't been wars since the beginning of mankind, I mean, you're just, you're not paying attention. You're you're living in some sort of parallel universe. So I don't think that a lot of them aren't even coming from a place where they can have this open, honest discussion. It's it's not from necessarily a place that's uh, um, like you need to have good faith in it. And I think a lot of them aren't. They've already made up their mind. They sort of have this view of how things really are, but they're lacking a lot of context, which is a big problem. And they're coming with an agenda and they only have one option, which is to obviously ban firearms, but that fails to, so if it's not firearms, then what? Baseball bats, kitchen knives, like what's next, Doug? You know what I mean? Then the, the chopping block list just continues to, um, to grow and grow and grow. Oh, anything yeah. can be a weapon. Like oh, it kills yeah. somebody with a tire iron. You know what I mean? Like literally like anything can be a weapon. Just like I was telling um, somebody I was talking with, and this was a couple months ago. You get rid of firearms. What do you have? because you got to look at like how they're trying to push society to go cashless. Right. Right. And of course, everybody was like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So let's look at all these self checkout booths. Right. Right. You go to Walmart is always, Oh, no cash at this machine, but there's always that one machine that takes cash, but it's always down for repairs. Right. How that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's funny how that works right there. Um, <laughs> then none of the cash registers are open, you know. And 
slowly but surely you're going to start seeing other people do the same thing you know um i'm not a fan of um going to mcdonald's to eat but the little assistant is so this one day we went to um mcdonald's to go get her her food that she wanted we walk into mcdonald's and there was two machines in the lobby that you can order from and of course you know i'm sitting up there i'm waiting and um one of the i think it was a manager that actually was like hey you can use the kiosk and i was like i don't talk to machines i talk to humans <laughs> right and then she laughed but she came up there and she took my order because she understood what i was talking about yeah. right and i was like I, i'm not a fan of that because that's how people are losing their jobs right. right if everybody gives into that that's how people are losing their jobs right so now if you don't have the firearms to protect yourself for and then what is everybody always saying the reason why the second amendment is in place is so that the government doesn't get too powerful exactly right? so if the government takes away um the right for us to have firearms now look at how easy it is to control your life especially if it's a cashless system right oh yeah yeah and then let's talk about electric cars so this oh, is yeah. what i would say like and <laughs> I just, right. oh man I, I had this conversation like two weeks ago all right you get an electric car right how many um posts online have we already seen where like people are saying like don't charge your car up because we, we, we got to conserve energy we can't handle the grid right now right right and then on top of that you get pulled over guess who got control of your car now because it's all electric yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, like, like the whole idea of the electric car is so stupid i mean i would encourage everybody to look up lithium mining that's a big thing uh it's super dirty it uses a boatload of water and it destroys the landscape so this whole idea that you know have you seen a battery in an electric car it's gigantic it takes a boatload of lithium to make those batteries and then how do you make electricity i mean it's not like we oh this I, I just hate how people think that um i hate that people have bought into this idea that it's green it's greener to dry it's pretty much a wash i i should find there's an article that i read a while ago that basically broke it down as to like you know by the time you mine the lithium by the time you it still takes energy to make the cars you're still making it's in a production fact plant it's a factory it's still all the things that go into making the vehicle, it's not any greener than gasoline, but once you have everybody plugged in the grid, uh, you can control where they go, how far they go, um, when they can drive, all of these different things. And people just, you know, we're so accustomed to the lifestyle that we have right now. We never see it going away. And people don't realize that there are active powers that be that are trying to take power and change our way of life and put all these measures in place that we don't have freedom anymore. And that's part of why the Second Amendment is so important because it really, I mean, it's sort of our last line of defense. I hate thinking that, but it's like, it kind of is our last line of defense. Granted, like the government will show up with their tanks and their cannons and their way higher military equipment than the average citizen has, but we can at least put up a fight. You know, we can at least <laughs> go down swinging. <laughs> exactly. Well, bottom line is when you turn around and you look at it from that standpoint, once we get to that point and um, they take away the second amendment and you start speaking, guess what? 
what selection you want lethal injection or the firing squad right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you I know. guess I'm taking the firing squad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, man, let me get that last bit of aroma before. I... <laughs> There's a quote that I posted it yesterday to my Instagram stories, and it's by um, Yuri Bezmanov, who is basic. He was uh, in the KGB um, back in the day, and he was, I, I guess, a defector, sort of. But I mean, he's got some really, his videos are harder to find now on YouTube. I think you can still find them on like Rumble and stuff. But um, he was very adamant about what was happening and really I mean he was in a communist country and understood all the propaganda and and you know kind of worked the system from the inside out he's definitely somebody that I would recommend looking into he's got a lot of really good videos that are um I mean very telling and actually kind of scary to watch sometimes you're like oh wow this, this guy really knew thing and called it a lot of stuff but he has this quote um and I just, it, I feel like it's so fitting because it's so much of what we're talking about. And it says, uh, you see the useful idiots, the people who are idealistically believing in the beauty of Soviet socialist or communist or whatever system, uh, when they get disillusioned, they become the worst enemies. That's why my KGB instructors specifically made a point never to bother with them. Forget about the political prostitutes. Um, in the United States, the it's all the professors, these beautiful civil rights defenders, they're instrumental in the process of the subversion only to destabilize a nation. When their job is completed, they're not needed anymore. They know too much, some of them. And when they see that Marxist-Leninist has come to power, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power, which of course will never happen. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. Hmm. True. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yes. And we, we've, we've already seen it happen in history already. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So obviously, um, if you don't educate yourself on history, it is doomed to repeat itself. Unfortunately, this is true. Crazy, but what do we do? Where do we go? Right? That's yeah, crazy. All right, you have any more um talking points you want to hit up? No, I think uh, I think that covers it. I feel like it came full circle. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, once again, since we're back into the saddle again, off of this um allergy attack. <laughs> It's pollen, but this stuff is horrible, man. Man, it hit me hard. But um, we're back into it now, so we we back at it for a couple of weeks before the season break, and then um, next week we'll be right back into it again, talking about some more topics and seeing where we go with it at that point. So once again, if everybody will, please head on over to Facebook, YouTube. Instagram, TikTok, um, social media, however you want to find us, you can do a search for me by doing a search for at M underscore W tactical, or just head on over to um, my Instagram page that you can find by looking up at M underscore W tactical and click on the link tree in the bio and it'll take you to everything that we're doing, YouTube, TikTok, 
Facebook, Instagram, it'll, it'll do everything. All right. Now, if you want to follow Rockstar, you could do so by hitting her up at. Uh, it's at Rockstar Burst, B-E-R-S-T on Instagram. And someday I'll um, update my link tree and link some other things on there. But I think the only thing on my page right now is my Telegram channel, which you're welcome to join. I post all sorts of fun conspiratorial content on that from time to time. But uh, I hang out a lot on Instagram. You know, I post a lot of stuff in my stories, mainly current events and some animal memes and the outdoors and stuff like that. But uh, I don't post a lot on my actual page. I'm very active in my stories. And if you see something that piques your interest, you know, by all means respond. I'm, I'm pretty responsive on there and I always like to hear from people. So I look forward to connecting with you on that. Hey, that's a, I think I need to check out. You're like the third person I heard talk about this Telegram app. <laughs> no. oh, yeah, I've been on Telegram for like since like 2018. I've been on it for a while. Oh, wow. now it's cool and trendy and i'm like whatever i should get off of it because now it's not cool anymore <laughs> <laughs> i got you on that one <laughs> all right so until next time as we always say keep shooting keep practicing and have fun so until next week y'all take care now y'all be safe out there <laughs>